Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyom. If you've never done this yet, you can subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review wherever you get it. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. And you can check out the always updating myfirstsketch.com. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Have I told you lately that Philly Sketchfest is going to take place between June 3rd and 7th? Well, it's true. Four nights of live comedy, a sketch comedy film festival, and maybe another surprise or two that we haven't totally planned out or even talked about yet. phillysketchfest.com is the site where you can get all that information Submit your live act or short film. Sure, you still have time. The deadline's sometime in March. But why wait? Do it today. And now, here's a word from some friends. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Today's guest is Sarah Nowak, currently a member of National Scandal based out of New York City. Sarah's first sketch is called The Preacher. Sarah reads the role of The Preacher and Jane, a member of the congregation. I read the roles of Bill who is a skeptical first-time attendee of this church, and Farmer Joe. So let's get to the sketch. I'm so glad you could make it. We, we don't get a lot of new folks here. Fine, it's cool. I thought it would just be you and me hanging out, but whatever, maybe after. Well, if you keep coming to chapel, we'll be hanging out all the time. An organ plays and the preacher enters. Welcome to the first church of the assembly of the expressway of God. I want to start with the story of Noah. Noah, like you, was just a man that God gave a great task to. And what he needed to do was build a boat big enough to fill with all the animals and the dinosaurs and the dragons. I don't think that's right. And Noah added the giraffes and the rabbits and the donkey from Shrek. But the dinosaurs were too big and they wanted to sit at the front. And Noah said, this is my boat. I sit in the front. And that's why we don't have dinosaurs. Amen. And now I'd like us to talk about the book of Gallipoli. God told us the story of a little boy named Huck Finn who had a huge fin on his back. And he would huck rocks at cars. Hence the name Huck Finn. But of course, Huck Finn would be frozen and awoken in the future. But the book of Futurama is for another day, of course. That's a TV show. You have got to be quiet. Well, 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 look at what we have here. I see we have a new friend among our flock. And your name is? Bill. We will call you Bartholomew Ezekiel Weatherspoon. Scooby-Doo, where are you? What? Which reminds me of a Bible story. Jesus and his disciples went on a mystery adventure. Where they went to an old haunted carnival where they thought, which they thought was possessed by a glowing monster. But alas. It was just a farmer in a mask. Let this be a lesson to you, all of you. Just a horrible, stinky farmer. Do we have any farmers here? Do we? You? 
You there? You far? Get out! I sure didn't mean to offend. Get out, you dirty farmer. Get out! Get you find him in the parking lot and you smite him. I want to go back to the words of the Lord. Blessed are the warriors, for they shall get back to Cody Island by dawn. Blessed are the classic, for they are far superior to the uncanny X-Men. Blessed are the blessed. That goes without saying. Blessed are the people who make things up as they go. Okay, here's the money part. Everyone give me the monies. Uh, form an orderly line. I, I love this part. The congregation gives their tithes and Bill raises his hand. Oh, well, I guess this is a Q&A now. You're questioning the Lord's word then, son. Have you even read the Bible? None of this makes sense. What are you saying? Shh. Look, your Bible's in front of you. It's just a bunch of stories, but none of this, none of these bullshit stories. The congregation opens their Bibles. Ooh, hey, weird. What is this? The preacher starts going, heading towards the window. Oh, it's a miracle. Look, Professor Brown has come down from the future to come back to take me to the past. He runs back to grab the money. Farewell! The preacher runs out. The congregation runs to the window, screaming for him not to leave. He just got in a hot air balloon. He just had one in the parking lot? Did no one see the hot air balloon in the parking lot? Why do people not care? What do we do? We need someone to follow. I need to give someone my money to. Well, does anyone here know how to preach? You don't need someone to follow. I can tell stories from the Bible if you want. But listen, you don't have to give me money. I'll give you my money if I want. Preach! Uh, alright. In the beginning, God created light and trees and animals. And then also evolution. And I think there was this guy, Samson, who got all of his power from his hair. So when he cut off his hair, his wife turned into some salt. There was a bush that was burning and talking um can this bible story have tigers sure sure there were tigers and they killed goliath but then he came back to life to seek revenge yay oh i can get used to this hey you know what let's do that money part again my turn Sarah. Hey, Josh. How's it going, dude? All right. So tell me about this sketch. Tell me about this preacher. Okay. So this was, I mean, I literally don't, I don't remember ever actually, I don't know that we ever got it on its feet. This is just like an old one that we, we definitely wrote it and we maybe put it up once. This is from, I went back to 2014 for this. Um, oh, wow. So it's, it's not the first, it's not the first sketch I ever wrote, but it's like the first this is like the earliest sketch that I had in my, that I could actually like access. Sure. Um, and yeah, and this was like, so National Scandal, we, we started uh, as a house team at the pit like a pretty long time ago. I think 2012 is when we, we got together. And um, basically, I, I don't, not gonna, I won't give you like the whole history or whatever, but at this time when this was written, it was like we were working with Holden McNeely um, of like Minerfist and uh, Where's in the Bruiser and, and stuff like that. And he was like working us through like the murder fist sort of model of like everyone writes everything. Okay. So, so like if you look at like, like I went back and looked at all of our old sketches and it's like they're all kind of these weird like really chunky like references and like you could just sort of 
like you could just sort of feel like this this one kind of made the most sense there are some really insane ones though where you you could just sort of feel people like that that there's like a bunch of hands on the wheel and you're just trying to stay <laughs> everyone's blindfolded and you're just trying to stay on the road mm. um uh yeah but i think I, I i like this i just thought i thought this was uh th- this one made kind of like the most sense um yeah i'm not sure i i <laughs> i wish i could i could barely remember uh writing this but but man i just thought it was cute <laughs> yeah so uh that process that you mentioned about like how everyone writes the sketch like is it someone brings a first draft and then as a group you tear it apart or it was it working so, on your feet doing improv to get it together it was super well it was it was pretty new to us like we we started out our first the first form there were like 13 of us we were put together by the theater and there were actors and and writers and so the writers would write and they would collab a little bit with the actors but it was like they'd write they'd cast us and then we'd put it up and then when um we got a new director he's like okay well everybody writes everybody acts and so what would the process would be, we would pitch, everyone would have come in with three or four ideas, we'd write them all down, and then we'd sort of break off into groups and work on whatever ideas we liked the most together. Okay. So it would be three or four people writing different, different sketches. And you had mentioned there, uh, so you initially joined National Scandal primarily on the acting side? Yes. Uh, how was that experience of like auditioning for the team? I mean, it was fun. I think I just did. I mean, and it was like, it it was in a period of, in my like sort of creative career, whatever the arch of whatever that is, um, where I was doing a lot, a lot more like solo character stuff. So it was pretty, it was pretty fun to just sort of come up with three or four little bits to do. Um, and, and yeah, and it was, and it was fun. I mean, I, I do, I do, I do consider myself a bit of a writer and it is like, I do find it really fun. So, um, so it is, it is hard to not, it was hard to not be like, can I just take a stab at what? And like, I just, you just have to sort of like, you know, have, have fun with what you're given. And, and, you know, we had, we had really fun writers who, who came up with crazy stuff that I never could have come up with. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, the audition itself was just like, I think like a, like a quick, like a, like a, I think it was three minutes on a Saturday. And then I think I, I literally think I jammed it in before leaving on a vacation. That's mm. my one <laughs> biting memory of like that audition, but that was, yeah. And you had just mentioned that you were like doing like solo character stuff. Yeah. Like at that time, like what kind of stuff was that? So there used to be, I mean, I think they still do a couple different theaters kind of have, it's like solar character things. So it's like stand up or like solo sketch um, stuff that I, I don't really do anymore. It, I kind of had it beaten out of me, but, um, I was, I, there were a couple shows where you could kind of come on and do bits. Like you would, you would just come up with a character and like a, a little bit of a monologue and you would just perform that sort of solo thing. Um, and I, I had never thought of it before. And my friend Rob Stern had a show called Overload the Machine and he invited me to do something. And I came on as, I think my first character was uh, I was his cousin and I just came on and wore like a, an ugly Christmas sweater and made fun of him. Um, but it kind of, it gave me a little bit of the bug of just like writing like for myself. And so I spent a couple of years doing that and I got to do, um, I was lucky enough actually to do the, uh, to go to just for laughs at, in the um, new faces showcase 
Oh, wow. For Solo Sketch, which was really fun and interesting and eye-opening and really cool. Um, uh, okay, so we're going to pause there and go back sure. to the beginning. Okay. Um, but we're definitely going to go back to Jeff's for Laughs. Uh, <laughs> so what were you into growing up? Like, what was your comedy fandom? Oh, my comedy fandom. Um, I grew up with a pretty funny family and a family that liked horror and comedy were like the two things that my family was kind of into the most. Um, and I think I, I also was like of the, I like was the, the perfect age when comedy central came on the scene. And so like mm. stand up was really huge. So it was on every, it was on every, every channel I think had their own stand up special. So, and I watched all of them constantly. So, um, but I, yeah, I think, I, I think I mostly grew up just watching SNL and like tons of stand up. Do any particular stand-ups, like, jump out to you? Um, I mean, like, these days I kind of... Or at least, like, back then was, like, like what were, like, the... Back then. Do you have any memories of specific people? I was, like, obsessed with Mark Maron. Like, Mark Maron as, like, a stand-up. Even though it's, like, it's such... He's such a weird... He's such a weird, specific kind of stand-up where he was so funny, but he was also kind of depressing and, and really cynical. Yeah. Um, and it's funny for, like, a like a 14-year-old girl to, <laughs> to like love mark maron but I, that was like that was kind of i was kind of of that age so it was like mark maron um janine garofalo like back when back when it was a little like alternative and like a cool thing to do um was when i i, I loved it but I, I never considered doing stand-up i think it, i always was like too afraid to be on stage it wasn't until i found like improv that i actually got on stage to kind of do it myself but mm-hmm. um but yeah but also just like obviously snl was like the biggest and I ask everybody, who's your favorite SNL cast member? Yeah, funny. You know what? It's such a, that's such a, like, I mean, it's so hard to pick one person because in, like, 40 years, there's there have been so many, like, such, such good people. Yeah, um, let's talk through it. Let's go. <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm not going to say my favorite, but I think, I think Chris Parnell is, like, an under, is so, like, criminally underrated as a performer. I think he's, like always like everything he does is insanely funny and but you but he's never he never puts himself at the forefront you know he's he's he always like serves the material so well that you don't even see him anymore which i think is a really it's just such a it's such a cool it's such it's so bad for your career it's so good for the material that you are working on um yeah yeah you might be the first person to have mentioned chris parnell and (laughs) he's a dark horse (laughs) and he's amazing like to the point where I mean, you mentioned it, like, how many main characters did he ever have, like, where he was, like, the solo lead in a sketch? Really? I mean, you know, I can't like, even I can't even think of one, but I feel like everything he does is so funny. Like, he had those weird brothers with Jimmy Fallon. Right. He did a bunch of impressions that might have been a lead in a sketch. Like, yeah. he was George Bush for yeah. a little bit. But he just he just sort of sinks into he just sort of sinks into the material that you don't really think about his yeah. personality that jumps out. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's um, great. Like, yeah, I, I also got fired. Say, got rehired. What's that? He got fired and then rehired. And oh, did he? I don't even remember that. Yeah, there was. Uh, I forget what year it was, but there was a season where he was gone for like the first ten episodes, and oh, then wow. he got rehired. Like he came back. Ah, and at the awesome. end of the, I, th- I think it was the season that Will Ferrell left, mm. and at like as they were all like paying tribute to Will Ferrell, he's like, "True story, I was fired." Oh, wow, Will Ferrell got me rehired. Oh, like, that's amazing. And then he did like another like two or three years, but and then now like he's 
you know, a voice actor everywhere mm-hmm. and pretty prolific and yeah, yeah. Parnell's awesome. He's awesome. He's he's yeah, he's very funny. I I do I love like I like stand up people, but I also love like I love a utility player. I think Phil Hartman it was also like a like the perfect absolutely yeah. utility player. Um, Jen Hooks too, I think also just like could take anything and make it funny. Like they didn't write to her; they wrote they would. I it did. I just, I mean, obviously, I don't know, but it feel it just feels like they they would just sort of write things and she would elevate it. You know, mm-hmm. which is kind of the the thing that that's like the goal is to like you can't sit around and wait for perfect scripts. You need to like take whatever they've got and like yeah make it better yeah um so you said but then you said you weren't gonna name your favorite but you were gonna talk about under so who is your favorite like <laughs> oh or are we just or are we just giving categories of people that you love yeah i don't know i think i'm just like i think i'm just working through i don't even really think i have like a favorite favorite um okay. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know uh i i'll probably kick myself for it for like missing for like missing somebody but like yeah probably i mean phil hartman obviously will always have my heart you know we can say chris parnell that's perfectly chris parnell, I, let's say let's say chris parnell you know what yeah. let's, i'm gonna go full dark horse on this one <laughs> yeah, I, yeah you might be the first i might like i might have to look at my records but i think you're the first to mention chris parnell which i'm totally cool with nice because nice. i keep like because i'm a dork enough about this that yes. when i ask everybody and now i have a spreadsheet that's awesome though <laughs> but then it's like you just have to like have an all-time bracket you know i, I, I have a like yeah and then i'm like and then i look at it, like there's so many people that have been on the show that's been really good that haven't been mentioned yet hmm. like so when those people get mentioned I'm like, oh yeah let's let's talk about them like all right uh were you a performer kid growing up or no i was a quiet dork so how do you find improv um yeah i mean and i i still consider myself uh, an introvert but i found um when i was in high school my brother i lived in buffalo and my brother went to like a some festival and he got a flyer for like a comedy workshop and i was like this was like back when and it was like right around the time when i you know it's like there was like the the boom when it's like, you know, Mike Myers was huge and everything. So mm. I was obsessed with comedy. Excuse me. And um and so he, he was like, Oh, like like my brother and I are really close and he was like, Let's go do this thing. And I just thought we I would just be sitting in the back and watching and just like enjoying. But and then like we got up and just like did like these exercises. And because it was just me like goofing around with my brother, it ended up being pretty funny. And they were like, Oh, this is an audition, by the way which we didn't know. And so they put us on this team, this like the first comedy sports in Buffalo. And so we had like, we spent a week just like intensive every night of the week for like four hours, just like working and, to, and then, and they turned us into like a team. Okay. Um, wait. So, insane. so comedy sports comes to Buffalo. Yeah. You just see this flyer about some kind of workshop. Just a comedy it, workshop. It didn't say anything it else. It ends up being an audition. Yeah. How does how does that work? Like, I mean, I didn't know what I didn't know what improv was. Right. I just thought it was like, oh, like here, do this, do this thing, and pretend to be, you know. And so I would like do like what, and I would just did was doing whatever kind of like dumb voices that my brother and I would do around the house. Um, and I just thought it was like because, and I think it's because I didn't know 
A, I didn't know what improv was, and B, I didn't know it was an audition. I did, I just did, I did well because I didn't care because I didn't know I was supposed to care. And then if I had known that it was like an audition, I would have like shit the bed probably. That's so wild to me because like comedy sports, just like every other comedy theater in the world, you know, is just as much a, a training center and like has classes and stuff, and you have to go through the system. So this idea of walking in. Yeah. And not know and like not knowing that there's actually an auditioning happening at this workshop is <laughs> so bonkers to it me. Is. It is, it is. It's like, well, I think and it, it was also just like this guy, uh, the guy who started it had just sort of heard of I think he, he like bought the franchise and brought it to Buffalo and did had and was just starting from himself and had nothing. So right. he was just like looking for people to like Yeah, so he just needed theater. the first seven people needed, to Yeah, to he just needed it. he just needed bodies. <laughs> and so we we and I ended up doing that for years. I did that for years, and um in Buffalo, just like in back rooms of hotels and and weird restaurants and stuff. Did like our little short form improv. It was so weird. I don't know why. <laughs> so I'm glad I got it, out of it. <laughs> how does it go for like to be? Because like I was aware that there was a comedy sports here in Philadelphia when I was in high school. Like yeah. I never went. It was roughly about that time where, like, Whose Lines It Anyway mm-hmm. had hit television, like, and got, like, was pretty big, you know, that first, like, Drew Carey couple seasons. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, like, this thing was happening in a live space that you could go to was pretty interesting to me, even though I was 15 and really wasn't going to happen, like, wasn't going to do it. Right. So what is it like to be on this team, this first team in a, a mid-major city like Buffalo? Like... Um, it was pretty, it was pretty wild. It's, it's pretty weird. And like I said, I mean, here's the thing is it wasn't, it was really great. Like, I mean, I got hours, I got so many hours just like on stage and just like learning how to, how to perform and like learning how to work and also learning how to like not work with people. Like, cause there, there were, there were some management issues and like, whatever, it, there were like things that, that like didn't go well. And so it was like, I'm really glad that it was on a small market that I kind of or a mid market where I kind of learned how to like not be a piece of shit to people. Yeah. Um, you know, just cause Which I was is like, just as important to learn. Yeah, absolutely. You have to like, learn, yeah, you have to learn how to like, you know, how to deal with people and how to disagree with people. Um, um, what was I going to say? Oh, but, but it was like, I had never, like I said, I like, I had never really seen improv. Like I was in the first improv shit show I'd ever scene you know what i mean so so it was weird so but like really the first like long form i ever saw um i went up to toronto and i and i was it yeah it was no chicago i went to chicago for the chicago improv festival just to like check it out and we saw um we saw this team called the calendar girls and it was like a two two woman team and they did a um a larand and it like it was my first time actually seeing, cause I had seen like a lot of short form, short form, short form. And my first time seeing long form, it like, I was like, Oh, like my whole body shook. Like I was, my, my face was frozen. I was like, Oh, this is so cool. And this is not at all what I'm doing, but this is what I'm doing. Like I'm doing this. Mm. I'm doing fucking this now. This is my thing now. And I got yeah. like very into it. Um, yeah, because think like suddenly realizing what like improv really is like. Oh, this is good shit. Um, 
was and nothing against nothing against comedy sports like I still go back to short form I think it's like it's really fun and it's a really good time and I think it it's really hard to be good at it um but like seeing long form for the first time was like really like life life changing I'm sorry uh, <laughs> I feel no, like I no, just it, rambled it's, like, it's perfect um so you, you're just basically just doing like theater games and short form improv for a long time yeah no training other than like on the stage at the moment right yeah i mean like, the man the, the man like the guy the manager who owned the franchise kind of took us through things and they would he would like bring he would like hire people to come in and teach us a little bit okay but we would learn the games and try to read books about it and and just be as as good as we could you know that was kind of it and then and also just like also just like my because like my brother and i got on the team and then we just sort of started bringing friends in and we got to like perform with with our our friends and so like that's also part of it is just like learning like vibing with people and and sort of creating it together which is what i love about improv is that it's like the games are fun but like you know vibing with other people is is kind of what it's about that's so wild i'm, yeah. I'm just like it's one of those times where I'm, I'm talking to somebody and I'm kind of like gobstruck about like how that worked of <laughs> just this new franchise and just getting right on stage. It's, that was not a, a story I was expecting to hear. <laughs> um, so then, okay. So you go to the, the improv festival in Chicago. Yeah. How did you even know about an improv festival in Chicago? Well, we got, I think like um, my boyfriend at the time and I were kind of, we, we were like super obsessed with, um, different things oh and you know what it was so at that time um we were we were taking we had started taking classes in at second city in in toronto which is it's about a two it's about a two-hour drive from buffalo so we would like on thursdays we would get out of work and just like jet up to toronto as fast as we could and we would take these like we, we went through the levels um so even then we were still like like the um like early second city levels you have like a b c d e and then you have conservatory mm. which is six six more levels so it's forever um but like even the first few levels you're still doing short form it's still it's still tons of short form so even though i was like so i was like we were taking classes um excuse me we were taking classes up in up in toronto and um i think some of our we had become close with some of our instructors and their team was going to perform Okay. So we, we ended up kind of, we ended up going just to like, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't performing. We were like just watching our friends and then like, you know, vibing and seeing some shows and stuff. What sparks the decision to take classes in Toronto? Um, It's like, you know, when you, when you kind of love comedy and it's kind of a dream and, and it's like right there, I think it's one of those things. I don't know. It's like, it's, I was obsessed, you know, growing up, I was like, you know, I was obsessed with comedy and I was really, really obsessed with kids in the hall was kind of my biggest um, influence. And so like knowing that second city was right there was like always a dream. And then realizing it was like kind of affordable and doable was like, Oh yeah, now I definitely have to do it. The idea that going, you know, working a, a job and then driving two hours for these comedy classes and then you saying that it's affordable and doable is just like making my head explode. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it was like, it's like, they, they all feel like bar- barriers to me. 
They, I mean, they, excuse me, they are. It's like, so 300, but I, it's like, to me, I was like, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be like going to college. But it was like, it was 300 bucks a class, which I could do. And I had, I was like, you know, I had a boyfriend who would, who had no problem driving. So I was like, let's, let's just go. And then we would come home, we would be, we it would be like a late night, but also we were like in our early, I think early teens. So it was like, not our early teens, early 20s. So it was like, you could still do that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, <clears throat> people do like, it's a, like, you'd be surprised. I had, a, I, so I teach, I teach improv at, at the pit, not to jump ahead, but I teach improv mm-hmm. at the pit. And I had a student, I didn't know until the last class lived in Boston and she would come in on Thursdays in the morning, take the class and then sleep at her sister's house. And then like take the bus back to Boston every week. Like that's insane to me, but it's like if that if you if you care and it feels good and you're happy and it's like it feels like you're getting closer to something, then it doesn't feel like work. No, that's true. Like because the last time I did a, a sketch writing class here in Philadelphia, like there was a woman that was coming in from Lancaster, and that's like like an hour and a half ish. Yeah. Like depending on traffic when you get close to the city, but like I live outside the city. It's like a thirty minute train ride, and and there there are certain days where I was just like, oh, like, ex- <laughs> it still felt like a slog to yeah. me. Like. So I can't imagine, I can't imagine driving two hours and crossing an international border to take classes. Yeah. Even though it is like probably the closest option and the best option that you had. Yeah. I think I just loved it. I just loved it so much. I mean, that's the thing, man. I I just loved like, I just love comedy so much and it was so fun. And also like, to be honest, like this was back when. Second City Toronto was really hopping, like super hopping. And like, um, and Mike Myers wasn't on, he wasn't on SNL anymore, but he was still like, he was like the, he was making movies and he was like hot. And it was like, oh, so you'd like walk down hallways and there'd be these giant like portraits of John Candy and Gilda Radner. And you're just like, fuck yes. Yes. So many cool people have come through, like just as much, just as many (laughs) people that have come through Chicago and at Second City there. Oh yeah, I've gone through the Toronto branch, uh-huh. like, like SCTV started from the Toronto branch. Yeah, basically, like, yeah, there, there's, it's totally a thing of like, I totally see that impulsiveness of like, yeah, let's do this, like, especially when it is the best option, the closest thing, the yeah, like. I totally get it. I wouldn't have done it probably, but I totally get it. <laughs> but it's also like, I feel like Philly's like a pretty big city. Like Buffalo, especially at the time. I mean, now it's like a little bit of a cooler city, but like back then there was just like, we were it for comedy. We were it. There was like, made, like there were a couple like stand-up clubs that closed and it was sad. And so yeah. it's like, when you're the only thing in town, you got to, you got to find your way to like get out. You know, it was just like a way of, for us to like, feel like we're getting closer to our goals. And I knew, I just knew that I couldn't, stay like I knew that I I wanted to do something in comedy and I I knew I couldn't do it in Buffalo and so it's like I I definitely was like I I have to either move to Toronto or move to New York or like leave Buffalo not like I've got to be a star but it was just like I there just wasn't I there just wasn't enough for me sure yeah yeah because when you when you think of Buffalo you do not think comedy you think sports wings yeah Old. Yeah, and there's definitely there's definitely more now, I think, but like it's definitely a better it's like there's a lot more happening in the city now, but honestly at the time it was just not at all the situation. 
Um, so then, with? so you see, you know, long form really for the first time in, in Chicago, this festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where does that make you like take your next step of leaving Buffalo? Um, well, I think at a certain point, like our team, like the comedy sports team, we decided we wanted to move towards that more. And so we mm-hmm. kind of broke off and created our own team. We qu- we all kind of a group of us kind of quit that team and 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 started our own sort of more of a long form show. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then at a certain point, I mean, and I do actually specifically remember a moment like my my brother uh, and his wife, who were both on, who both we both did improv with, and you know, is like a, a good friend of mine um, and my brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, they moved to New York City. Um, to to sort of pursue more acting stuff. And I just realized, like, I was just, like, working in an office and and not really, like, trying to do, like, theater. Because there, there was, like, a pretty thriving theater community there, and you can make a, li- you can make a living in Buffalo doing theater, but um, I just wasn't getting the roles. And I just realized, like, man, if I'm going to stuff envelopes, I can do it anywhere in the world. <laughs> so, yeah. you know what? I'm just going to go. And so I moved to New York, and once I got here... It was like, it was just like, I absolutely knew it was the right decision, which is one of those weird things where I very rarely feel that. <laughs> I very rarely feel like, oh, that was absolutely the right thing to do, even on stage. Um, but like, once I got here, I hit the pit pretty hard. I, I, I went to a couple different theaters and like, tried to see like what the vibe was. And some of them were too cool for school. Some of them were like, please join our team right now, which I felt like a little pressured. And then the pit was just like a, a really good vibe and all these kind of doors opened and I, I met a lot of great people and I, I just, I just hit it at the right moment and it felt great. And I knew I was like in the right place. All right. So you moved to New York city mm-hmm. uh, and the pit seems to be the p- best place for you. So let's talk. Do you start doing classes at the pit? Yeah. So I took, um, it was this, so this was back, I think this was 2004. So, um, the pit had like just opened two years earlier and or mm-hmm. may, maybe two years earlier. So it was, they were still sort of building their school and building things out. So I took, I took level one and two and then, excuse me, um, I took level one and two and then they, they started their house team program at that time. And so they put me on a team then. Um, uh, and then, yeah, and that was sort of it. And then I've, I've been on teams since then. What was it like being like going through the classes that they had as someone that had performed comedy sports? I mean, uh, you know, for a while already, like, was Uh, it it how, like, was it useful? It absolutely was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I, I mean, I learned a lot and I'd had like a lot of, I had good experience. So I was pretty, I was like comfortable. And I also was like, I could also take criticism, which is, I think, important, like the most important, I, I mean, not to you know, brag, but I'm like, I could, t- you can handle, if you can handle criticism, you can handle failing, you can kind of do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it felt, I felt kind of comfortable performing and it was also, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I don't want to brag on myself. So if it sounds like I'm bragging, cut it out, but it was like, it felt like I had kind of, I'd been in this like little bubble where, um, everybody sort of performed at the same level. And then I kind of, I'd been doing it for a long time. And then I moved to New York and I kind of like had 
eyes on me for the first time. And that was like kind of the first time where I, like, I loved it, but it was kind of for the first time I was like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. Like, I think I might be, I think this might be right for me. I think I'm, I'm good at this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, it just felt, it's just like, oh, this is, I'm doing the right thing that I should be doing and it feels natural. I don't know if that uh, makes sense. So, I mean, and then you say you're pretty quickly on one of the new pit house teams, like. Yeah, I mean, they, they also, it was also just very, it was also just like they had a small pool to work with. So they, they just sort Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Yeah. Who they had. Like, they put on, yeah. And so I, I was mean, on, for, sorry. So for like for a theater that's pre- pretty well in its infancy, it doesn't have like the, the grandiose like pool of, and like, oh, I don't want to say it that way because that's going to sound like it was undeserving and it just, just so happened to be there, but like, <laughs> it's okay. It's not, it's, it's not what it is today where I'm hearing like, you know, 70% of people that are applying or are, you know, are not getting on the teams or yeah. like it's become so, such a high pressure, a little more cutthroaty. Yeah. Maybe I, not necessarily like person to person, but like those spots are now more limited than they were back then. It's yeah, it's that. And there was, there was a time when it was like, there's a, there's a pool of people, you know, these people are going to be on teams. These are your friends. And then, and I was like, okay, I want it. I always want it to be this way where it's like, this is the group of people. And like, everyone's healthy. Everyone's happy. And like, no one's feelings are hurt. Everyone's on a team. Yay. And then it like, (laughs) it got more and more like, more and more weird more and more like cutthroat a little bit more like angry a little bit more and then people would get, would get cut and get angry and get sad and and people got people used to kind of not 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 care as much and then it became like a an important like a more important thing and when it becomes important then then people start getting their feelings hurt which i which i i hate but i was i mean i just got i did i kind of got grandfathered in i was on a, I was on a team for six months the second we the the day after we we registered our internet domain so that we could have a website after six months, which is bossy. The next day they broke us up <laughs> and they put me on a new team uh, called Fancy Dragon. I was on Fancy Dragon for two years. And then they put me after that, they broke up Fancy Dragon. They put me on the Baldwins, which I've been on ever since. Wait, so you've been on a team that's been together for over 10 years now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the if, if the math in my head is correct. So let me. I know. I it's and I have to kind of do the math too. But I think I was put on. I was put on in two thousand nine, and they've been together for since two thousand seven. Okay. I was put on after they were together for two years. So yeah, I've been on the team for eleven years, and I'm and I'm still, <laughs> and I'm not an original member, which is amazing. Yeah, we've been around for a long time. I mean, we've and we. It's not all. It's not all the same. People, sure. you know, a lot of, you know, people move to LA and people, you know, move on and, and just like do other projects. Um, but the team itself has been around for, yeah, 11 yeah, years. The, the, still, the idea of a, of a comedy team at a theater like that surviving yeah, that we, long is pretty impressive. We just kind of flew under the radar. We were very lucky to, to just never, you know, we never really caused a problem. We always you know, at a certain point, we all just like, like what I think what has to happen for a team to sort of survive is, is you have to sort of shake out to like, be the people who like each other, be the people who work well together. There's always like one or two people um, 
who just aren't good at being on teams, you know, or, and so it's like sometimes like early, early on before we even got on the team, the, a lot of that shook out. And so, yeah, it was just like a group of people who like each other, who like doing improv, who are not like dicks. And we just flew under the radar. We're very, we're, we're super lucky. Yeah. I can't explain it. <laughs> so then how long into like, into the improv process do you start doing like these solo bits and the characters that you were working on? Um, I didn't really consider doing like solo stuff or like doing a solo show um, for like, for like seven or eight years. I think I was just doing like a lot of improv and, and, and like mostly improv and a little bit of sketch and just like act like, you know, like theater. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it always it always scared me to kind of be alone on stage. So then other than the personal like that person's invitation to do the show, like what's what's the drive to do it? There I mean, I, I it didn't really literally didn't occur to me until my friend asked me to do it. It didn't occur to me. And then once I did it, I was like, "Oh, this is actually like it's fun to write something. It's fun to like get laughs all by myself." I still made him I still made the host of the show come up and interact with me and and, okay. and stuff. Um but it was like I had I had never like done my own. Oh, that's not true. You know what? I just remembered something like a million oh. years ago in Buffalo. I wrote like a monologue for myself for like a theater festival, <laughs> and oh. it was a terrifying and it was a blast. It was the only time I ever had like true, true, true stage fight. Um, yeah, and I never thought about doing it again. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it was like just like you know. I think it's it, it's like it it didn't it. I'm sensing a theme though, where it's like, I don't know. I want to do something until someone else makes me do it. <laughs> like, it was like with improv and with like solo sketch. I'm like, I didn't know I wanted to do it until someone introduced it to me. Uh, so let's talk about uh, Montreal and just, and just for laughs and the new faces thing. Like, so how does that come to be? That was, um, <clears throat> Well, I don't have, I've never, I, I have had representation, but I didn't have representation at the time. And um, it was just like, I think, I don't know how, I don't know what, what the mechanics are necessarily around like getting auditions. But I think at the time, the people who run it kind of went to the different theaters and just asked for like lists of people who um, would be good for it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um and so I, I was given, I was given like an initial audition and I wrote, I wrote like a, a little piece for it. Um, three, like just three little characters and yeah. And it was just like, they were thing they were just, you know, little things that I thought were funny and fun and yeah. And I just kept, I, I got through a couple of rounds of auditions and, and, and got the invite. How'd that go? It was, it was really exciting. It was it, I mean, listen, it was thrilling. I didn't, it's, it's one of those things that I didn't, it, it wasn't even like really a goal for myself. Like it's not something that I, I had heard of like people going to JFL, like a JFL, JFL. Yeah. It's like a credit, like JFL. I'm like, I, it's not, not something that I was ever a goal or something that I thought I could do. Um, but, but like do it, but like actually having it narrowed down to just like, just like nine of us, from the from the country like going up to Montreal and like doing our little showcase was like it was just like a blast and not something that I 
sometimes, you know, it, it, I mean, honestly, it's one of like, it's something that I am genuinely proud of. It wasn't, it was like, oh, it's so hard to describe, but it's, yeah, it was like, it was more than I, I really would have asked for. Um, like, yeah, it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to describe. Um, Did you feel any pressure doing it? I mean, it was one of those things I didn't know I wanted until I started like getting through the auditions and then realizing like, oh, I really want this. And then also the thing that I would say too is like, so here's the thing too, is they also don't like, they don't pay for anything. No. Um, They paid for my like hotel room and that was kind of it. So I was like, it was just sort of like, oh, I have to like go to Montreal in a couple days. I did not have a whole lot of time to prepare. And I had to like pay, I had to like fly myself there. And I was like, I'm, bro-. I was like so broke at the time. So I was like mm-hmm. in Montreal and I was like I'm doing this amazing thing that I'm like so proud of. And like in the middle of this giant like comedy festival that I was just like screaming. I was so, I was so happy. It was so, it was like in the heart of everything that I love. And I did not have a dollar in my pocket. I did not have a dime. I couldn't eat. It was amazing. Um, it was amazing, but I had like a pass, so I could just sort of walk. I I could just you could just like walk in and watch Hannibal Buress perform, and just like walk and see like um like this, these late night shows with these incredible comics, and yeah, it was it was it was like uh it was eye opening and, and weird and cool. I think the the hard part too for me was like um like being an introvert and going to a giant festival by yourself where you're full of people that who intimidate you is like rough. And also I really desperately wanted something to come of it. You know, I wanted representation and I wanted like something to kind of come out of it. And, and I could sort of felt like, I I kind of could tell like nothing was like, it was just sort of like, it didn't like go great. (laughs) It just didn't go that way for me, which is, which is totally okay. I'm like happy for the experience. Um, But yeah, it was like, it was like bittersweet, but I'm just insanely glad and, and grateful for that experience. Yeah, I have this bad habit of whenever I like I talk to people that are relatively new to the sketch experience here in Philadelphia, like, and if they're you know nervous or whatever, I I always like, say, oh, don't worry about it. Lauren Michaels isn't in the crowd, like, yeah, which like I I always mean to, you know, say like you're not going to get a job from this show. Just have fun, enjoy yourself. Yeah, you know, let, let's do this. But I, I I do worry that like a couple times I've said it like it has come across like, Oh, this doesn't mean anything. Don't take it seriously. Yeah. Like, but you're at the point of Montreal. There are agents there. There are managers there. Yeah. There has to be some kind of like pressure of like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was enormous pressure. And that's the thing, man, is it's like, Oh, this is like, I spent so, cause I, you know, just like most of my career where I spend it in like a basement, like a drippy basement where the lights don't work. And like, there are no agents here. So I have the blast and I have the most fun in the world. And then I'm in this giant room where it is full of agents and and industry people. And like, they all kind of avoided eye contact with me afterwards. I think it was because I, I also kind of like, I wanted it so much. Like, it's like one of those things I didn't know I wanted until I got there. And then I was like, oh, I want this too much. I'm too thirsty. And I like, I don't think, yeah, I just think I kind of ruined it for myself. That Um, kind of smell of desperation that that they talk about, like. (laughs) exactly yeah it's like what was the difference of like i mean you mentioned the trippy basement of of i'm assuming pit at that point versus the big room of montreal like have you ever experienced that difference of performing spaces like that uh you mean like a contrast of like yeah oh i mean like 
because I imagine like being used to like one room or one type of room mm. and then going to a different space like you have to kind of like reorient you reorient yourself like yeah the, and it's definitely oh. my fault I mean I'm talking shit about the pit it's it's given me so many beautiful things I shouldn't I'm not I don't I'm I'm mostly joking I'm like so happy it, to be in that every place. comedy theater <laughs> has chirpy basement it's fine <laughs> like so yeah you're talking about yeah so it's like be, like yeah, that is a little, I think it's a little bit of something that I did to myself where I kind of turned myself into a hothouse flower where I performed the same places so many times. I just found like comfort and familiarity. And like, so like for all of my auditions in New York, they, I like, it was like crush, crush, crush. Cause it was all like my, my friends and like, mm. and it was like, oh, I'm playing to this. I'm doing this thing that everybody loves. And then I went to Montreal and it's like, not in, it was just full of like normal people who, who are not New York comedians who are not my friends and it was like it just wasn't received the same way so it was like yeah there's there is that thing where I I would I, I'm not talking about like if I were to do it again but it, you know like I think I think in my career I've I've leaned more towards comfort and like familiarity yeah. and and hiding and like the introvert thing um and I think it would have been it might have been beneficial to me. I'm also just like super loyal and I don't like change. But like <laughs> I I um I might have benefited, who knows, honestly, but like I might have benefited from like bouncing around a little bit more and like, you know, performing by myself more and and be and doing scary things and failing in, in other places. Um just so that it, it would it would be, you know, just so that when it happens on a larger scale it wouldn't be as much of a shock. Um yeah. So then, yeah. like, where does National Scandal come into the picture then? So, um, this is a th- so this that's a tough thing because right now, like, we we were together for for seven years, and right now things are a little in flux. We had our last show at the Pit. Um, we decided to sort of cut ties with the with the Pit as a house team because we were having like we're just having trouble filling the house, and and we kind of wanted to see where else we could perform. So we had our last show in November there. And then, um, you know, there are five members. One of our members um, recently became a father, which is very exciting um, and very time consuming and very um, life changing. Right. Our, our Another member, Josh, who you've performed, who you've done the show with, uh, he's moving to Dallas Oh, in just a couple of weeks. So, so I honestly, at this point, it's like, we're, we're all kind of, we love each other and we have this huge, you know, backlog of, of um sketches and i like and for this this like podcast i went back and like read a bunch of them and i was like oh my god some of these are so dumb and would be so fun to put back on their feet um but yeah i think it's like as like we haven't really met up in the new year and 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 like talked about it so i don't really know what the future is but um that's sort of yeah. That's that's the national scandal now. I, I probably I jumped ahead a little bit, but NatScan had had fit in. You know that was like my weekly, twice weekly. I don't know. That was like my second job for a long time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the future. And, I don't and know. Again, but... seven years. Like. Yeah, man. That's it, a... it goes by so fast. That's a lot. Oh my god, that's a thing too. And I feel like I don't know how, what kind of like how, what your what your listenership is, but like. I almost want to talk to like the people getting just getting started because I have students like this too who are just like 
man, I just like, I'm at comedy college right now where every night of the week I'm in, I'm on a sketch team and I'm on an improv team and I'm on an indie team and I'm taking this class and I'm taking that class. And it's like, man, it's the best. That's the best feeling in the world. But you got to, you have to force yourself to like stop and like poke your head out, have a life, have a relationship. Like you got to do stuff, man. You got to have a life because, um, because it goes by so fast. It just yeah, really I, there- does. There was a point here in Philadelphia a couple of years ago where I was talking to a friend and like, like there were people that were like going to the comedy theater like four or five nights a week. And I was just like, do they not realize that there's good stuff on television? Like, <laughs> you know, stay home a couple nights, a couple of those nights, go to a movie, like do. Yeah. Yeah. Have a go to that building. Like you live in a great city. Yeah. Like, see museum, see concert. You got to Yeah. Have, and, and create form relationships outside of the comedy community too it's just important to be able to do all that stuff and have Absolutely. like a good like, network like you know we'll close with the certain question but i always ask people like a piece of advice and like one of my early like episodes one of the guys i was talking to said take take a cooking class like go to a baseball game like do anything that's not comedy like yeah. if you don't live in a world outside of comedy you're not going to be able to generate material exactly you're just gonna be yeah you're gonna become a drone no i I think i think it's i don't i'm not gonna say that's that's i i take that back you're not gonna become a drone but it it just it just life just really does go by fast and it is that that that, the thing about comedy is it's it's such a it's just such a warm place to hide Mm. (laughs) it just really is it's 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 a really safe um place if if it's like all of your rejections are sort of in this measured place and all of your your connections and rejections and, and, and successes and glories are in this like small frame and it's so much more like controllable, but like, yeah, you just have to experience things. You got to experience yeah. things, make connections. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then like you mentioned that uh, your troop mate, Josh and yourself have a podcast. You told me off air. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping is that going to continue when he moves or we're going to, yeah, we're going to try. We're definitely going to try. Um, and it, it is possible. I mean, Hey, we're doing it right now we're through, doing, the magic, yep. <laughs> through this magic. The um, internet's wonderful. It is. Uh, yeah, we're, I, hopefully we are because it's, um, kids that can I so tell me about erotica Saurus? Okay. So yeah, it's erotica Saurus. Like it's a dinosaur, but it's erotica. And, um, we do, so we do dramatic readings of, um, like monster and dinosaur and d- dragon based erotica. Um, but not, is, not even just that stuff. Like it's, is this all just like found stuff or are you writing it? No, we, Oh, so we, we, it's, it's found. So it's on, okay. you know, literotica, our archive of our own. Amazon has some amazing things. Um, yeah. And it's just like, you know, you know, centaurs and like the Eminem spokes candies. Okay. <laughs> it's really, but it's bananas. We just, we do dramatic readings and we talk about it and it's fun. And, um it's just like it's just it's it's like a very silly thing that i've been thinking about for for years once i found out that once i found out that chuck tingle existed i was like there's something here is that a specific person that he is yeah so chuck tingle writes um just really insane erotica and one of his uh one of his erotic one of his stories uh god i can't remember what it's called but it was up for a hugo award what um it was yeah, pounded in the. I think it was. I assume it was something like pounded in the butt by a raptor or something, and it was like, 
What? Yeah, yeah. It was up for a Hugo Award. He didn't win, but it, it was a short. It was like it was up for a Hugo. And the writing is actually pretty fun and funny. But it's um, it's it's like his his the, the way he writes is almost like a parody of other kinds of like monster erotica. But we it, so it's like it's a little less. It's like for me, I think it's more fun to read things that are like straight erotica, like trying to make people horny with it. <laughs> that to yeah. me is like the most fun. Um, but it's also just, it's crazy. Our, we did The one Chuck Tingle we did was um, Happy Birthday Frankenstein, Now Pound Me in My Butt, which is, <laughs> I, it's just fun. It's just, listen, it's just like, it's a good time. And it, I also like, I, I get to sit across from my friend and say horrible, dirty words. Hopefully that's not too, you could, you could bleep that out too. I hopefully that's, I'm, I'm so no. desensitized. <laughs> that's all fine. Like the idea that multiple of his, of his uh, pieces of work have pound me in the butt. <laughs> in their title by itself is just like it's, oh gosh it's it's just it's really entertaining if you look just look at like a um a list of his titles it's it's a good it's it's worth a gander it's worth a gander for sure yeah we um here in philadelphia we had a, a found comedy show where uh one of my friends like would scour scour the internet and you know all those sites and he had a specific uh poet that he always went to and just some of the some of the stuff that people put on the internet is just just bonkers it is and it's like and that's the thing we try we try really hard not to like i don't want to make fun of people for creating their stuff you know and for like trying like some people some people are just like like oh you you don't respect what you're doing so i try to like respect what people are creating but at the same time it's like some of the stuff is just like amazing like somebody wrote an erotica about the m&m spokes candies it was like a like a bunch of the M&Ms are alive and they wrote like an orgy between them. And it's like, man, you did that. <laughs> so. And then you mentioned that you uh, teach improv now. Like, so how does that get like, how's that doing for you? It's great. It's awesome. I really, um, I teach, so I, I teach the lat like the last level before uh, they, they can, um, audition. So it's, um, it's, I mean, I, I love it. I love working with people who are, who have gotten that far in improv. Like there's something really noble about teaching, like teaching level one is 10 times harder than what I do. Cause it's like, you're getting people, you're like getting people on stage and getting to like getting them to do a scene. Um, but like, I, I genuinely, I love working with people who have kind of been, been through all these levels and they're, they like really are pushing themselves to be better and they, and they, they crave, you know, they crave notes and they crave like, you know, hard work. And, and it, it's, it's like, it's a little, it's like exhausting. Um, but it's really, it's, it's fun. And I, and I, I meet amazing, amazing people. I get to see like these successes. and I just get to like laugh for three hours. So it's, yeah, it's a blast. I'm always curious about like teachers and stuff. Like, have you had, um, like have there been any like fancy, name like you know people that become famous coming through your class uh i taught i think i don't want to say i feel like it's three but i can't say th- but two two of the people two people who have gone through my class are on astronomy club on netflix okay, cool. and chris elliott's daughter oh not not Bridie? abby yeah Bridie. she took my class and nice. mamrie hart wasn't took my first improv. I don't know if you know who Mamie Howard is. Mm-hmm. She's like you. She's like YouTube famous. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so yeah, some some 
yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, there are like a lot of people co- who come through my class, like, um, are already like, it's just like one point in their career. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of times I'll see people in, on a commercial. I'll be like, I taught them level one. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's and awesome. S- and since we mentioned that you're, you know, teaching, I uh, will wind down. I always ask, I, I mentioned it earlier. What's a piece of advice that you would give to a new comedian? Um, so I have, can I give my like one, like a sketch writing tip? Absolutely. Okay. So this is like my favorite sketch writing tip. Um, it's something that I figured out that it's like a way to make your sketches really strong. So if you're like a performer and you're like writing a sketch, so like write the sketch and imagine, and as you go through, as you like keep doing a couple passes and for the first pass through cast yourself as one of the characters and then just make all of the, that characters lines funnier for you (laughs) and then go pass through again and cast yourself as someone else and bump up all those lines and just keep doing that until it's like it just like makes it it just beefs everything up and makes it because like if you're if you're just taking like if you're taking care of each one of the characters individually and like the way for me to take care of them the most is like if if it's like mine specifically so if I imagine myself playing the character I like take really good care of it and make it funny absolutely yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think everyone anyone's ever said something like that before and i really like that like yeah. because like back in the day when i was like doing doing sketch comedy with a team like you could tell the sketches that i wrote because i was clearly like a or b like i was like the, one of the top two people in that sketch like <laughs> you cast, yeah you catch yourself and every other person's sketch i was always like a, a side piece or like i so yeah like yeah, that idea. Of, yeah, make make that idea better for yourself, even though you're not going to do it. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's the thing. That's like because I feel like uh, the strongest sketch. Every single character has a deal and and its own and its own like life and worldview, right? Yeah. And like the way to make that happen is, I think, I, like I mean, it's absolutely like a self centered performer based like reason but it it definitely works i think it makes it really it makes it everything like a little more dynamic and it makes every character live and that way because like you know when you're casting when you're casting a sketch and every it's like sometimes there's only like one fun character and everybody else is kind of like i don't want to i don't want everybody wants everyone wants to play everyone wants to play the alligator right let's all play the oh yeah. then you fight over it but it's like if every character's fun then it's like it's fun for to play and it's also fun to watch i think anyway and then finally Yes. Um, I mean, we talked about like how you, some dude bought a comedy sports franchise and you showed up at a workshop and ended up getting on the team right away and then, you know, moving to the pit and doing long form and everything. Mm-hmm. Why comedy? Why is comedy taking so much of your time, of your life? Oh my God. I don't know, man. Um, I think I just, I always grew up, like, even when I was a little, little kid, like, people who could make me laugh were, like, the best. Like, mm-hmm. I just loved laughing. It was, it just felt so good. And I loved when people could sort of have that power over me. And so I just loved being around funny people. And I think it's just been, it's just been in my blood since then. It never, even, you know, it wasn't until I started doing it that I realized I wanted to do it. I don't know. Is that, a, is that an answer? <laughs> No, that's perfect. Like, cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much, Josh. This is fun. 
see Sarah with National Scandal at Cramming It on February 20th at the Pitt Underground stage at 8.30. You can also see Sarah doing improv with the Baldwins at the Pitt Underground every Saturday night. More information on both of those shows can be found at thepit-nyc.com. And subscribe and listen to Eroticasaurus wherever you get your podcasts. And follow her across social media at S. Nowak. S-N-O-W-A-K. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band No-No, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.